Hello, and welcome to the Alchemy of Art podcast with your host, Addie Hirschton. Join us as we share folk tales and true stories about artists and the creative process. Our quote of the day was said by Vasily Kandinsky. He said, the artist must have something to say, for mastery over form is not his goal, but rather the adapting of form to its inner meaning. Hello everyone, my name is Addie Hirschton. I'm a contemporary impressionist painter, art instructor, author, and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories about art and the creative process to inspire you and help you move forward. On the show, I interview artists from a wide variety of mediums so that we can learn from each other's processes and philosophy. Today's podcast features an interview with the artist, Naomi Brodner. Announcements. So, I have classes in June coming up at the Indianapolis Art Center. There's plein air painting, there's abstract painting, and there's intuitive painting, all fun choices. Um, and I haven't mentioned it in a while, so I'll go ahead and mention it now. I've got several evergreen things that you can always uh, jump in on if you'd like to. I've got some online classes. Those online classes include how to start selling your art, flower painting 101, um, and a couple of free classes. Uh, they're on alchemyofpainting.com that you can uh, always give a try. Um, I also have several books that I've written. There's The Alchemy of Art, Stories for the Classroom, which is a collection of folk tales and true stories that are about artists. Um, our teachers love reading them uh, to their students as they're working. Um, but even if you just love art and you love folklore, that book might be for you. And then I also have a book called The Alchemy of Painting, which is a how-to painting guidebook. Um, so, as always, those are available. Other than that, I don't have too much news going on. No news is good news, right? So, let's get on with talking about our guest for today, and that is Naomi Brodner. I'm going to read to you her biography that she's got on her website. It's just so fun. Naomi Brodner was born and raised in Southeast Portland. She's been oil painting and working in collage for over a decade and making art for as long as she can remember. Having grown up somewhere in the crossfire of Jewish mysticism, former deadheads, and the West Coast punk scene, her work makes contact with and reaches beyond her roots. Brodner is both formally trained as a painter and an autodidact. She spent time studying at the Pacific Northwest College of Art, but even more in Victorian attics and concrete basements. She's called her studios. When she's not painting, she plays the drums and travels the world, tornadoes at her heels. And if you want to find out more or take a sneaky peek at what her paintings look like, you want to go to her website, which is naomibrodner.com. That's N-A-O-M-I-B-R-O-D-E-D-N-E-R. Now I have a link for that in the show notes, uh, as always. And without further ado, here is my interview with Naomi Brodner. Welcome, Naomi Brodner, to the show. Thank you so much, Addie, for reaching out to me. I'm excited to talk with you. Lovely, lovely. All right. Well, I'd love to hear the story of how you became an artist. Um, so growing up in Portland, Oregon... I am the the daughter of a very artistic woman, and all, all the women in my family actually are incredibly creative. Mm -hmm. So I started painting and doing collage as soon as my motor skills were working, pretty much. And I had the privilege of attending an arts magnet elementary school and middle school as a young person. So I think that I 
the creativity inside me was fostered at a really early age, which was uh, super helpful. <laughs> and I just kept kept painting and kept being interested in artwork, and it seemed really intuitive for me. And I don't think that I got shut down, which is what happens to a lot of children when they're making art, because I really think that art making is innate to every human. Right on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that for me, it just didn't get shut down. So I just kept growing as an artist and just finding more and more of what I was interested in. I remember learning about like pointillism in like kindergarten. (laughs) Okay. So I think I had a good foundation for becoming an artist. And then through high school, I was just really prolific, making lots and lots of work and learning about different movements and art history. And that's what inspired me to go to art school. So I went to the Pacific Northwest College of Art for one year in Portland, Oregon. And what I found was that the the modality of, like, the art world at large didn't really work for me. Okay. So I, I felt like a lot of it was really contrived and overly conceptual and uh, more about networking and who you know and that kind of thing. And for me, art is this really intuitive, therapeutic experience of being human (laughs) so I just was like I'm gonna I'm just gonna leave and I'm just gonna make my own work and not kind of go through the the system that's in place um so I left art school and then um I kind of had a little dry spell because I was a little disenchanted by the by the the art the art system I guess I'll call it And then something happened and it just started like pouring out of me. Okay. (laughs) And I just started making so much work and I ended up doing 12 paintings in three months and I had my first solo show in 2015. Okay. And yeah, since then it's been a couple years and I've just continued making work and then I decided to go to school for psychology and art therapy. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about the program that you're in or maybe you've even created it for yourself because where you're at sounds like that sort of a university but tell us about the degree that you are doing right now. Well I've always been really inspired by the intersection between art and spirituality and psychology because I feel like psychology is where spirituality and science can intersect Okay. because we're all humans in a human body with a human mind having a human experience and that's essentially what psychology is the kind of study of the psyche okay so I in in my work I've been doing dream work for pretty seriously for the last four four years and I realized that dreams are these incredible visual gifts that humans have access to every single night when they're asleep. Right. So for me, that's a really clear translation to visual art in waking consciousness. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And so I decided to go to school to kind of study dream psychology um, because I want to work with people in therapeutic practice with their dreams. And I feel like, bringing dreams through the body into artwork is the best way to interact with the unconscious mind as a practice in, in waking life. Okay. So I came to Naropa university to study dreams and contemplative psychology. And I'm an artist. So of course I'm taking art classes and I decided to take an art therapy class and my teacher was so profoundly inspirational to me. She basically said, so what we're doing here is magic. 
but we need to like explain it. Okay. So we're going to use this, the structure that's in place of, of psychology to explain what we're doing. Okay. Um, but I found that art therapy is on so many levels. It's, it's science, but it is also magic. And I, so now I'm, I'm studying contemplative psychology, art therapy, and visual arts. And I'm kind of interested in where all those things intersect and how I can bring that into the world in a healing way. And then as far as my own personal work goes, it's, it's deeply inspired the work that I'm doing. Um, but I'm not really interested in being an artist in, in the sense of, um, like doing art for other people. Right. Okay. Okay. So I just make the work that I make. And if that's accessible to people, then I think that's great. And I think it is accessible to people because there's the the collective unconscious, which every single person can tap into, especially through dreams. Right. So I think when I'm bringing those symbols into my artwork, people resonate with them, even if they don't know why. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my practice right now is I wake up in the morning, I record my dreams, and then I use... Um, meditation and intuitive automatic processes to kind of work with the dream images through collage. Okay. So usually what I do is I, I meditate first so that I can be in an open and receptive state because what I really disliked about art school was this kind of like um, overly thought out ideas of what you're trying to create. And it's like a plus B equals C And, you know, this has to be in relationship to this and all these principles of design. And it just seemed really contrived to me because I think the aesthetic is so natural and organic. So when I'm working intuitively, um, I just look through images and I see what comes up for me and what kind of feelings come up for me and how those relate to my dream. And often... And what happens if I'm in a really receptive state is I will find images that almost exactly express whatever my unconscious was bringing me in the night. Okay. okay. Which is what I think is like the magic of, of the experience. Because that's something that I can't control. I can't make that happen. But if I'm open to it, it just does happen. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So tell us more for the people who haven't heard about this, the surrealist automatic methods um, and why they're awesome and which are your favorite techniques. Well, there's there's a lot of different methods that were used. And it was um, during that time they did poetry and automatic writing and automatic drawing. And essentially it's just to bypass the conscious mind. Right. So when I'm, when I'm working and my inner judge or critic or conceptual intellectual self comes up, I just tell it to take a break and go outside for a little bit. And it's not welcome while I'm making this work because I think just letting it happen and whatever comes out, comes out is kind of the automatic process. So I feel like, I do workshops. I do dream art making workshops called the art of dreaming in Denver, Colorado. And what I usually have people do is there's like a simple art therapy exercise where you draw the breath. So usually we use something soft like chalk and close our eyes. And then you just move the art tool, the chalk in this case with the movement of your breath. So that kind of syncs up your body and your breath and your mind and, and your, um, your hand. I haven't heard of that one. That's awesome. I really like it because it's so simple. It's like, it's not overly complicated. Like you literally move the chalk when you breathe in and you move the chalk when you breathe out and you're not thinking about what the image looks like. You're not trying to create something specific and for me, that really helps me just move move into my intuitive mind. 
Um, and then after that, I usually do collage because I feel like a lot of people say like, oh, collage is cheating because the images are already there. But I think it's super helpful, especially for people that don't consider themselves artists or don't think that they can make something that looks good. So if, if they have a dream character in mind, it's so easy to find some kind of image that embodies some aspect of that dream character, which is like, it could be an expression on the person's face. It could be the mood, the lighting, the colors, the, you know, what the person's wearing. It doesn't have to look exactly like the image that they're thinking of. And when people are, are like drawing, they get really in their heads sometimes about, Oh, it has to look exactly like the thing that I'm thinking of. Right. So working with the collage, it's just more about the essence, the core energy of whatever you are experiencing. And that's a lot easier to find because it's out there in the collective. Like tons of people have been photographing and painting and making art for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. So when you're tapping into all of that stuff that's already there, it's a lot easier to find things that kind of match your experience, I've found. Um, and then just kind of working with those images and seeing how they relate and not forcing them to relate, but just kind of organically seeing what, what happens when you're kind of moving the images around and, and they're, they're talking to each other essentially. Oh, I know. And you can <laughs> learn so much about yourself from that process. Yeah. Yeah, I can share a funny little collage um, story where um, I believe it was in a soul collage workshop, which is a Mm -hmm. certain um, trademarked uh, uh, style of workshop. Yeah, my my mom does this. Oh, your mom does this. Oh, that's cool. Um, So um, they have a bunch of images out for us, and I go and I grab some images. And one of the images that I grabbed was this image of this beautiful pregnant woman mm. and she's smiling and she's she just is so so gorgeous that I was attracted to her beauty and then I sit down at the table and um, I start doing the collage and I pick her up and I say to myself yeah she's pretty and all but I, I don't think I want to be pregnant again so what? I'm going to take off the pregnant part of her body. So I cut her body in half. Uh-huh. Okay. And then I'm looking at her face and she's just not as pretty. Well, you know, I've cut her in half. She's, she's, she's damaged and wounded now. Right. So she's, she's kind just, of bummed. Yeah. <laughs> she's bummed out. And so, and I said to myself, okay, this today, what I was here to learn was, um, that, that, to embrace that side of myself that loves pregnancy and mm. um, being a mother um, and that that's okay. Even if I make the choice not to have a kid again, mm. that, that doesn't mean I can't appreciate the beauty of um, a, a gorgeous pregnant woman, you know, it's, mm-hmm. or, or even just show that side of myself archetypally through mm. images in artwork that that's okay. I don't have to say, well, we're never showing a picture of somebody like that again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, funny little story for you. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's kind of how it works for me anyways, uh, using like y- Jung's theory of like active imagination. Mm-hmm. So just interacting with the images and just seeing what comes up in your mind, like having those little conversations, like, wait, why did I choose to cut this piece off? Or why did I choose to put these two images together? And just seeing what comes up. And it's always surprising to me, Mm -hmm. because you could never make it up. Right, right. Yeah, it just has to unfold. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So and I totally agree with you about how we can use artwork to connect to the unconscious. Um, mm-hmm. Explain that more for our listeners who might not be familiar with Young's work and um, exactly what we're trying to do when we do that. 
So essentially the un- the unconscious mind is everything that we're unaware of and it's you know it's like half of our consciousness. <laughs> so I think that um connecting with the unconscious is really important in being self-aware and and, and actualizing our fullest wholest psyche self. Okay. And through through artwork, I mean, there's a lot of research coming out now about how left brain, right brain isn't really as black and white as they made it seem, you know, 10 to 20 years ago. Right. But historically, creative creativity has been thought of more like right brained and we lived in we live in a very left brain society. Um, so kind of connecting the hemispheres through making art and the unconscious and the conscious mind, it's, it's bringing those unconscious things into our waking awareness. So when you're making art through an automatic process, you can bypass the conscious mind so in doing that, you're accessing the unconscious mind and how you're doing that is by, let's see. Okay. So in the field of psychotherapy, automatism, okay. so the automatic process is used to describe involuntary motions and processes that are unconscious. Okay. So when you're making art in that way, you're using kind of this more free associative mode of of imagery that isn't consciously thought of so you're not sitting there saying i'm gonna paint a picture of the quaking aspen trees it's not drawing from your conscious experience it's drawing from whatever comes up intuitively so that could be colors sensations images from dreams and you're bringing that stuff that's unconscious that you're not aware of into your consciousness through making artwork, which I think is very profound. And dreams have been thought of historically as these vehicles for, for unconscious processes. So I think that combining the two is really powerful, Right. Mm -hmm. which is why I usually create my artwork from dreams. Or the imagination is another more unconscious process or intuitive process, automatic process, where you can just kind of see what arises. If you sit and you stare at a blank canvas or you look at a bunch of colorful photographs, like what what naturally comes up is, is more of this unconscious. So if... If you're working with a dream, what's been really profound for me is like take a nightmare, for example, and bringing in like a really scary figure. Mm. So I've had a dream of like this giant gorilla man in a dark closet who's just has glowing eyes. So scary in my dream. And so I decided I don't know what that's about. That's in my unconscious mind. I'm going to bring it into my waking awareness. So I'm looking through images and I find pretty much that exact picture. Okay. And so then I, I choose through kind of this mirroring effect that happens through interacting with an actual physical object, which is why I think art is so powerful because it's a physical object. You're not just imagining, Oh, this, this thing in my psyche or my dream. So in interacting with a physical image of this, I don't know what to call it, this gorilla man, (laughs) Um, and kind of being like, who are you? What are you doing here? Like, what do you want? And the, the result is so surprising that it's, it's not possible for my conscious mind to make it up. It's like this, this entity is, is basically saying, I want to be your friend. I want to love you. I want to be your companion I'm here with you, which is not what I would expect from a really dark, scary figure. Right. So I think that that's kind of the transformative power of actively imagining or interacting 
with artwork when you're making it is like there's the sense of kind of channeling or or what's coming through that's not what I'm making up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because we can be, our conscious mind is so much more restricted by the norms or what we are concerned about with, you know, impressing other people and it can be very stifled. Um, and so yeah, trying like, to get at the truth of who we are and what we really think and feel, we got to go a little deeper. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that people get really caught up in technique and having things look a certain way or, or aesthetically having things be pleasing to people, mm-hmm. um, which has just not really been a concern for me. <laughs> And I think partially due to learning about abstract expressionism, like I think that was a huge shift for me as an artist, Um, just being able to just freely move with colors and lines and shapes and and not really think much about it at all. Yeah. So for, for a long time, I didn't do anything representational because I felt like everything representational just got in the way right so I think that the conscious mind is really restricted in that way where it's overly concerned about other people's perception or or art is going to be received which is not the goal the goal is kind of the process of interacting with the soul through art making and seeing what happens Right, right. Um, I, I'm going to throw an oddball question at you. Let me see if okay. I can, I can formulate this well. So, as I'm sure you know, there are, um, there are process arts that are very old, where the product does not matter. For example, Tibetan um, sand mandalas, where the monks spend weeks creating it, and then at the end they brush it away. Right. Yeah. Um, And then also we have, um, you know, meditative practices, which are oftentimes um, the goal is to kind of is is to empty the mind is one of the things they'll say a lot. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like there's a a goal to get away from the mind itself to um, to to connect with the greater whole mm-hmm. um how do you see artwork fitting into this um does this ever conflict for you because sometimes i feel like there's a little bit of a conflict between mm-hmm. wanting to you know l- let go of our ego mm-hmm. and yet we're, we're creating something that's derived from ourselves and our own Um, you know, the essence of who we are. Any thoughts? Well, I kind of, I see it as just creating more space. So instead of like emptiness being like the absence of the mind and the ego, there's just a bigger container for those aspects of ourselves. Okay. So like when I'm meditating, I just like my whole experience just gets so much more spacious that I can, I can view those parts of me, but they're not the whole picture. So it's not like for me, it's not getting rid of the conscious mind completely or the ego completely. It's just being able to observe those aspects of myself and knowing that there's a much bigger space. Okay. So the, the ego is really good at a lot of things and it's a really, you know, healthy protective structure and all these things. But I also don't think it's that helpful (laughs) when you're trying to tap into something that is more intuitive. And I think that the collective human experience is part of every person. And that is something that's much bigger than myself. So that's something that's much, you know, that's beyond my ego in a sense. And I'm not really attached to the artwork in an, in an ego sense, I feel like it's something that I made, it came through me, my body did this thing, but it's, 
it's much bigger than me. And, and if it's accessible to other people, then that's great. Um, so I think it is much more about the process. And actually something came up for me when you were speaking was, um, my good friend is a, is a printmaking professor in Virginia and he does an exercise with students where they work all day on this drawing and then they crumple it up and throw it in the trash. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Kind of like a sand mandala. (laughs) Yeah. So it is, it is so much more about the alchemy of the, the process of what the interaction between soul psyche and our, and the, the physical object where I think that that in itself is healing, which is why I love art therapy and surrealism is art therapy's clearest association um, to like a movement of art because they have the same philosophy of like fully engaging visual art artwork and the psyche. So there's that same intersection, which is why both of those things are, are part of my work as an artist. And art is is like this ritual that opens us up to our connection, our our connection with our our soul or deeper self, Mm -hmm. which is beyond the ego. And I think that that's why I didn't like art school, because my experience there was such an experience of these overly developed egos, right, which I couldn't I just couldn't get behind right it's all about hey look at me i've mastered this technique so i'm hot stuff (laughs) yeah and it and and my my true belief is that any person you know i mean there's obviously gifted gifted artists with gifted perception and gifted technical ability but like if i if i wanted to paint you know a realistic painting of a chair i could work my whole life and i bet you i could do it but for me that's not is interesting. <laughs> right. For one thing, we might as well just take a photograph. We've got that now. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So if you're trying sense. to create, you know, an imaginary space or something that's going to profoundly affect someone on a deeper level, I think that letting, letting the soul come through is, is the best way to do that. And getting the, the ego out of the way and the conscious mind out of the way is how I do that. Awesome. Awesome. Ah, good stuff, Naomi. I just knew that it would be great chat with you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm having a blast. Good, good. Well, my next question for you is what would you say to your younger artist self? Um, I think that really, I think that art school actually like shut me down a lot. Okay. And so I went, about 10 years ago at this point. And I think that I would just tell that, that me to not let that happen. I mean, I think that it's okay that that happened, but I think I would tell my younger self just to really understand that that is an innate part of me and to not let that be suffocated or stifled by external, by the external, external world. And I think that I did a really great job at that, like pretty much my entire life until I had that experience. Mm. And I think that that's what happens for a lot of people a lot younger and they're just told, Oh, you're not good at art. And they stop making art. Right. Right. And, And it's not about that at all. And I think that, if art therapy modalities were taught in elementary school, middle school, then people would have way more access to their whole self. Mm-hmm. And I think that just reassuring my younger self that you've been, you've been making art your whole life. Like you can't stop now. Like this is who you, this is who you are right. and it will always be. And I, you know, I intend to be a psychotherapist and, work with people and use some art therapy modalities. Um, but I will always be an artist because I make art and that's that it's not some kind of 
grandiose identity that you need to have. Like every person is an artist. It's mm-hmm. just whether it's been beaten out of them or not. Oh, whether it's been beaten out of them. Well, I yeah, think it I is. know. I, I, I totally agree. It's so sad sounding. Yeah, and I, I feel though that like that there is a revolution that's that's happening within the art world where people are waking up to the fact that it's not that, that art is not for the select few. It's yeah. not that, and I have. Uh, a theory on this I call it the myth of genius we have this idea in our culture Mm -hmm. that that um, there's geniuses who you know can just pick up a paintbrush at age two and then they create these great Mm -hmm. masterworks and all the rest of us are we little uh, peasants and just shouldn't even try and and I totally agree with you that I think that art is a tool that can be used for healing, self-reflection, um, creating more that we want to see, learning about ourselves. All these things, they're available for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And even, you know, the, the one of the things I've done in a lot of my classes is I'll start by showing them a master work, you know, like say Michelangelo or, mm-hmm. or Van Gogh or, you know, one of those big names. Mm-hmm. And then I'll show them one of their early pieces. And of course, mm-hmm. because it's an early work, it's wobbly and it's, it's, it's ugly teenager stage or whatever, ugly duckling stage. And, mm-hmm. um, and my point being that even these people we have in our heads as they're the masters, they're the geniuses, they had to work hard to, to get to the skill level that they got at. Well, and what, Van Gogh sold one painting in his lifetime? Right, right. You know, like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. People don't get famous until they die. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's a whole Van Gogh museum. Well, he he probably would have appreciated that when he was alive. Right, right. Yeah, and so... It's, I, I just totally agree that it's, it's there for everybody and it's, um, and it's something that we can all use as therapy and healing. Um, Mm -hmm. so right on. Yeah. All right. So I can't believe it. We're at our last question, Naomi. Ah, and that is, what is your favorite art book or personal art story? Hmm. Well, there's a lot of them. Um, I think that I was profoundly transformed by Kandinsky's Concerning the Spiritual in Art, I think is what it's called. Yes, that is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I read that in high school and I was just like, oh my gosh, synesthesia and like access to the whole, the whole mind and seeing sounds as, as colors and movement and forms and just kind of understanding how all of creativity is so connected Mm -hmm. and, and it's not limited by, by those principles of design or that, that just urge to create an image. That's like a cohesive image. It's like, it's not about that. It's about this, this whole other connection to spirit and how that comes through the body and perception and the, the interaction between those two things. Um, and then, I was really influenced by Salvador Dali and his um, process of the the falling asleep, sitting on the chair and falling asleep with a spoon in his hand, and then letting this, as he would drift to sleep, the spoon would drop out of his hand and hit a tin plate or metal plate, and that would wake him up. And then he would just pull the images that he just had just in his his like light dream state Uh and then make paintings from, from those images. And I feel that, that that really inspired me as well. And that was before I had um, delved into that creative intersection between art and dreams. Awesome. Yeah. Great method. That crazy cat. Salvador Dali. It's true. (laughs) Gotta love him. Um, yeah, gosh, I feel like uh, adding something, and this is kind of reflecting on just what you had said a minute ago mm. about 
you know, you said, and Van Gogh only sold one piece, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, to me, what, what's so great about that example is how it shows that success when you create an art piece is not determined on whether it sells, whether anybody today thinks it's awesome other than yourself, you know, um, it's, it's about, is it really capturing the essence of something that, you know, that's, I, I love Van Gogh's work and I look at his stuff and he's really, he's got the movement of life. Mm -hmm. It's very vital. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, maybe funny last question for you. And if, if, uh, if, if I'm putting you on the spot, that's okay. (laughs) But you know, what is a successful art piece to you? Hmm. Well, it's, it's always hard for me to know when to stop <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, as I continue to evolve and grow, I feel like all the pieces should also continue to evolve and grow. Right. But there's got to be like a point where I put the paintbrush down and I say it's done. Right. Um, so a, a successful piece for me is, is just, did I, did I, did I make it? Did I, did I do the whole thing? Is it, is it, is it done? Do I like it? Is it, is it capturing, um, just the essence of, of the image? I guess I, that is a hard question. (laughs) And, And it's funny because it's like, that's when my conceptual mind comes in is when it's done. And then I'm thinking about like positive and negative space and balance and, and then I'm like, oh man, is it working? Does it not work? You know, (laughs) and, and that kind of critical mind comes in and at that point it's too late, which thank God it's too late because I don't want to operate from that place. So I can kind of notice if things are off or things are, I don't know, just not perfect and that's okay. Um, I don't know. I guess I just know when it's done and then it's done and I put it away and I don't work on it anymore. Okay. <laughs> Groovy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to think about this and maybe come up with a long list of, you know, your piece might be a success if, uh, you know, if you're happy with it, if, if it reflects something honest about yeah, yourself. if it's authentic, if, if it's, it's an authentic, authentic yeah. reflection of your process, then good job. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, on that note, we'll say good job, Naomi. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts with us. Oh, thank you for having me, Addie. Oh, you're welcome. Ah, so isn't that a great interview with Naomi? Thank you, thank you, Naomi, for coming on the show. Um, let's Let's circle back to our quote of the day. I decided to to share that one with you because of our discussion with Naomi, and she mentioned Vasily Kandinsky's book concerning the spiritual in art. And this quote from today is from that book. Um, he said, "The artist must have something to say, for mastery of reform is not his goal, but rather the adapting of form." to its inner meaning. So what is he saying here? He's saying that it's creating paintings is not just about reproducing something as as accurately as you can. Um, you know, as one of my teachers said, you can't depict every leaf that is on the tree. <laughs> There's too many leaves. We we can't get every single one. It's not possible. But what is possible and what our goal should be is to adapt the form to show its inner meaning and what does it really mean to us. And I think, you know, Vasily Kandinsky was, um, you know, really one of our founders of abstraction and, um, uh, expressionism, um, abstract expressionism. And so he's expressing his inner feelings and emotions through color and form, and not, um, he really moved further and further away throughout his career uh, from depicting 
you know, concrete objects and symbols. Um, but yet, I think that even if you are um, a nature-based painter, somebody who loves going out in nature and and, um, and capturing that, the essence of nature and what it means to you um, is so much more than the sum of its parts. You know, it's it's not just about accurately depicting it, but we're 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 going deeper. And another thing that he said in the book was that is beautiful, which is produced by the inner need, which springs from the soul. So, uh, you know, Naomi and I were talking about, you know, what's success? So what does that mean, you know, for an artist? And I think Kandinsky is saying with that quote that the beautiful, that when he's creating his artwork and it's beautiful, it's produced from his inner life, his, his, uh, maybe from his unconscious, from, uh, the root of his soul as opposed to um, the, the tangible things that are outside of himself. Uh, here's another quote. For, I'm sorry, I'm like loading you down with the quotes, right? But, uh, but here's another quote from Concerning the Spiritual and Art that I think is interesting and definitely relevant to our chat with Naomi. He said, art becomes so specialized as to be comprehensible only to artists, and they complain bitterly of public indifference to their work. Competition arises, the wild battle for success becomes more and more material. Small groups who have fought their way to the top of the chaotic world of art and picture making entrench themselves in the territory they have won. The public Left far behind, looks on, bewildered, loses interest, and turns away. Bam. <laughs> so, so what's he saying here? He's saying, um, he's talking about how sometimes in the art world, things can get a little ugly, and you know, perhaps it goes back to that whole ego-driven problem that Naomi and I were talking about. Um, in which it becomes more about who's at the top, who's the most successful, who has uh, won the territory um, in this battle of who's the best, who's the best, who's the best artist. Um, it just, it's not what it's all about. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, competition, um, you know, said, people say, your know, competition is healthy, it's good, it pushes you forward, and it might push you forward a little bit, but I think if you're so concerned with, um, with competing, what ends up happening is it's, it's all about the competition and what, not what you're trying to say. And then the, the public, as he says in the last part, the public left far behind, looks on bewildered, loses interest, and turns away. If you if you aren't trying to say something meaningful, then nobody's going to give a shit. <laughs> Nobody is going to care because if if they look at your piece and it resonates with them, because there's this this harmony, this echo of truth hidden in there, then they will love it and. It, you know, I think we could we could define success in so many ways. It might just be that it works for you, and it maybe it was therapeutic for you to create the piece. And sometimes it might be a success if if you're creating a piece in such a way that it's resonating with other people, and they are um, seeing those archetypal symbols. There's, there's things in it that are universal to all humans, and it just strikes a chord of awe, and they and they get it, and um, and that's you know a magical moment to to have the artist and the viewer 
who sees that art later to strike a chord. Um, I have to keep thinking about this. What is success? What is success? There is a quote by Emerson, and I think that I have said it on the podcast before, but it's probably been a while. So I am going to share it with you. It's one of my favorites ever. Okay. Emerson said, Success is to laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty and find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know that even one life has been easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. Ah, gotta love him. Ralph Waldo Emerson, one of my heroes. Um, what is he saying? He's saying success is to appreciate the small things, the beautiful in life, and to work to make the world a bit better. Um, and dare I say, more beautiful with your artwork. Um, if we want to twist it, twist his work around and make it all about art. <laughs> um, the big picture, what is it you're trying to say? What are you, why are you listening to this? Um, and what, when you're creating your artwork, you, you were drawn to create your artwork for a reason. There was, there was something that was itching at you deep within. And you, sometimes it takes a while to really see what that itchiness is, what it's really all about. But I think we can get there if we just keep, keep on keeping on. And with that happy note, <laughs> I will say that this concludes our Alchemy of Art podcast for today. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Addie Hirshton and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.